morning. Yes. This is my first time, so bear with me. <laughs> All right. Today I'll be reading uh, from James chapter 5, verse 13 to verse 18. And it reads like this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer of faith save the sick, and the Lord will raise him, will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the, the earth produced its fruit. Amen. I'm going to be saying amen, and I please respond so that I, I know that I, I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> yes. So, sometimes we struggle with scripture, wondering that what we are reading is what we see with the eye or there is a deeper meaning. Fortunately, the book of James is one of those books that offers practical application to our daily lives. Therefore, I pray that today, when you depart from this place, you will have something that you will apply in your own life. Like any other practical lesson, this scripture starts by giving methods or practices and moves on to give an example. I will begin with the practices or the methods. Personal prayer, praise, communal or corporate prayer, and confession. These are common practices as the body of Christ. Personal prayer. Oftentimes, when we are suffering or when we are in trouble, as the book of James has eluded, we would try to solve the problem immediately with our own efforts, or we rush to somebody else, or to tell someone else, or we despair. That shouldn't be case, the case. Prayer should be our second nature. It should be our default. It should be like water. It is something that you should do habitually. And you don't need to raise your voice. You, no one needs to hear you. doesn't matter where you are facing. Whether your, your carpet is facing in the north or south, it doesn't matter. If it is your preference, you may do that. But as far as I'm concerned, God is omnipresent. And then praise. Praise God. That is the second practice. Praising God. Praising God 
is one of those practices that I've realized that is only seen to be relevant in the church service or when you are in these walls. Praise should be something that we make it our daily lives. Whenever something has pleased you or something, God has blessed you, you must praise God. Praise God by way of singing, by way of dancing, anywhere that God has given you to praise God. It is not only limited to that, but those are the things that are, are common in praise. So the musicians are blessed. When you are merry, praise God. Even if you have to break protocol in those instances where you are, you are afraid of your stature, that somebody is looking at you, do it like David. Dance. David danced until the daughter of Saul despised him for that. And when he was despised, Saul's daughter, her womb was closed. That is how God takes praise seriously. Thank you. He will not allow anyone to make a mockery of your praise. Praise God in all seasons, not just in church. Communal prayer. When you are sick or are in trouble, go to those that you can rely on, those that, those that you can trust, those that have mature faith, and they will pray for you with that mature faith, and they will ignite your own faith. Even the medical doctors can attest that those that have faith have a better chance of recovery than those that do not have faith. The elders or the mature in faith, when they pray for you, they will not only address the symptoms, they will address the root cause of the problem, of the illness. The root cause of the problem may be revealed by confession. That's the fourth practice. Confession to one another. The confession can be made in private. If the sin was done in private, it may be appropriate to do it in private. If the sin was done in public, it may be appropriate to do it in public, as God wills. and you will be healed. Those are the four practices. Now I'm coming to the example. Elijah is given to us as an example. The scripture says he prayed for three and a half years that it doesn't rain, and it didn't rain. At the end of that, he prayed that it rains, and it did rain. So you may ask yourself, how can my prayer become as effective as Elijah? 
I'll answer that question in three, two parts. The first part is that we should model Elijah's life not only in times of need, not only saying prayer in times of need. If you look at the book of Kings, chapter 17 and verse 18, you will realize that Elijah was a man who was in constant communication with God. Amen. He was in constant communication with God. It was not an on and off relationship with God. That is one part that will make your, your prayer to be effective, filled with faith. Amen. The scripture does not say the half-hearted prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does not say the desperate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does not say the eloquent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. As the worship team can come up as I wrap up, the second part to this question. Let me remind you what the scripture says about Elijah. This is our example. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avail much. You may ask again, how do I become or how do I have an effective prayer such as Elijah's? And I will answer it again by giving an illustration. I have read of late about a phrase that is attributed to Winston Churchill, but apparently he did not say it. They only attribute it to him because it sounds like the kind of thing he would say. <laughs> so, it says, do not let a serious crisis go to waste. I believe as believers, we too should not let a serious crisis go to waste. A serious crisis, I'm talking about that thing that makes you lose appetite for anything else. By a crisis, I'm talking about that thing that you are unable to share with anybody else that is perhaps known only to you. I'm talking about that thing that perhaps you thought it is the end of your life. Do not let a serious crisis go to waste. Tap into that discomfort that the crisis brings and connect with God. Pray. Your prayer will be effective. Seek God during that time. And I'm in no way suggesting that it is an easy task. And I'm not making light of anybody's suffering. If it is a crisis of the passing away of a loved one, in due respect, mourn for your loved one. But as soon as you can gather your strength 
pray with faith and trust in God, you will connect with Him. And this is not to imply that you should stay in crisis so that you connect with God or you should engineer crisis so that you can connect with God. No, you are just using the crisis as a launch pad to realign yourself with God's will. And once you have realigned yourself with God's will, sustain it by continuing with the practices that we had just mentioned before. Personal prayer, praise, Praise God even when it doesn't look appropriate. Even when you are here, celebrate God even when you are not in crisis. Celebrate God because He was with you when you were in crisis. Now that you are not in crisis, celebrate God. Have communal prayer. Spend times that have with the people that have gone through crisis and have expressed their faith or relied on their faith and they lived through the crisis. It shall sustain your faith. It shall make your prayer effective. Amen. Do not let a serious crisis go to waste. Stay consistent. As I had said, Elijah did not have an on and off relationship with God. Continually communicating with him. Yes, he did have his moments, his seasons of doubt. But he would revert back to relying on God. Do not let a serious crisis go to waste. If governments out there are not letting go of a serious crisis in pushing their agendas. You as a Christian, do not let any crisis go to waste in your life. Tap into it. And after the crisis, use that. Pray. Your prayer will be more potent. It will be more meaningful because it, is, it started in a moment of pain. Do not let a good, a serious crisis go to waste. And I know that what I say today is not new to you. Believers know what to do. They know personal prayer, communal prayer, confession, they know how to praise or they know about praise. The issue here is having, it is this, addressing this endemic that is prevalent in the body of Christ. Prayers that are not effective. Prayers that are ritualistic. Prayers that are not backed up by faith therefore ineffective. That is the issue here. We cannot be satisfied with going with the motions and playing church and not experiencing the power thereof. You as believers, there is a power in you. 
Sometimes you have to pray a prayer like Hannah prayed to unlock the power that God has readily given you. Yes, Christians do have power. I know that people think of power only when they are looking at superhero movies. But you must know that there is something that God has embedded in you that you can only unlock if you are sincerely seeking him with the openness of your heart. And a crisis is one of those things that can be a catalyst to an effective and fervent prayer like the one of Elijah. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. And I believe it has blessed you. Thank you.